0: <laughs> Sorry. Are you holding your hand up so we won't see you cough? there so the microphone <laughs> on, hear you coughing.
1: Yes. <clears throat> oh boy. I'm gonna burp. You can see that. I don't care. <clears throat> okay. Hi.
0: Welcome back to a billion bad ideas. I'm Clayton Smith. I'm here with Steven Luna and Ben Wallace. And you guys, today I think I want to talk about. I want to talk about technology as a narrative device. And let me kind of set you up for what I'm thinking here. I've been, I guess, I lately I've been thinking about horror stories. I'm thinking of you know coming up with some ideas for some some new horror stories. And I, one of the things I love about horror in general as a genre, whether it's books or whether it's movies is that one of the things you absolutely must do in a horror story now is find a way to ditch the cell phones mm-hmm. because the technology has to go, you gotta knock it out because the second something bad happens, you pull out your iPhone and you're saved and the story's over, right? Um, so we have this kind of, it's, but on the other end of the spectrum, it's either that or technology is a thing that like overtakes humanity and kills us all. There's no middle ground for technology being sort of useful in horror. Um, it really has, it's like having a cell phone has completely revolutionized the horror genre and like the way you have to approach it as a storyteller. And so I've been thinking about that in different ways that we use technology. I know you both have some stories that kind of, um, center on in different ways, technology. I'm thinking Luna, um, particularly the going viral story is, you know, devices and platforms. And you've got a couple of those as well. Ben, of course you've got junkers, which is very, you know, heavy into the robots and so I want to start with Ben. What is what is it that, that you like about the idea of robots taking over the world? Or what is it about like that version of, of of technology that seems to kind of wind its way into a lot of your stories?
2: What I liked, what I enjoyed about it, well, I, where the story really went for me initially, the, the Junker's story was um, we know it'll happen. We've been told forever. We started with Westworld. We learned it in Maximum Overdrive. It was reinforced in Terminator. Um, You know, there's there's no doubt that the machines are definitely going to turn on us and kill us. But that's a chance we're willing to take if we don't have to do the laundry or do the yard. Like it's just it's it's a risk we'll assume because humanity is that lazy and that you know, it's 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 a bridge we'll cross when we come to it. So that's what I liked about it. So the way the story is actually structured, my book is structured is. if your you know newer robot runs amok, you just call the company and the, the the it's under warranty. They come out and deal with it. But if your machine's older and out of warranty, you got to call the blue collar, you know, basically the mechanics down the street to come stop the rampaging dishwasher or nanny bot or I think I've got flying um, coffee pots in there, the Mister Barista and stuff like that. And I think it's just I I, I liked um, technology from like the fifties where everything had like one purpose. Right, I didn't want like the, the iRobot uh, version of Sonny running around that can do everything for us. Like, no, there's a coffee maker bot. There's a, there. I think there's a grease monkey, um, um, car mechanic, bot stuff like that. So, I just see the uh, the branding and the marketing of these, you know, inevitable murder machines as something that was there was. I thought there was a lot of room to play for humor in that, and that humanity is just not
0: gonna will do anything to stay lazy. Yeah. I hate how prescient that is too. Cause I, I, in my, in my day job, I think I talk about this a lot in terms of platforms that we use and the agreements that we you know, sign up for when we join, you know, TikTok or whatever and how we have no idea what these algorithms are really tracking. Like we have some, we have some knowledge, but really we don't know, you know, just how deep it goes or what's being done with that data. And I talk to my students about that all the time. And, they don't, you know, they don't care until I start explaining, like, here are some ways that we know data has been misused in the past. And then they get really terrified. I'm like, okay, now who's going to stop using TikTok? Well, I really like it. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny to me. It's, it's the,
2: you know, the conspiracy theories of 30 years ago, like, you know, the, they've got your house bugged and now we're like, you know, uh, Hey, hidden microphone. What's a great taco recipe. Right. Like we're just, (laughs) we we brought them into our homes and I've got, I've got the home assistant all over the place. I use it to play music and all that. And the same time, I know it's listening. It's fine. The other day, my daughter told me, uh, she loved me. It was very sweet. She's like, I love you. And it heard it. And it's like, well, thank you very much. Like, I'm not professing my love to Alexa, but it, it, it's starting to
0: really like, she stole your sweetness. She stole that. But in the
2: conversations now, I know. And and Amazon Bezos has that now. He has that, that sweetness. My daughter was trying to give me, but. Um. No. It, it's yeah. We're not. We're not going to give up the conveniences we have now. Certainly at this point, we can't go back. Like your point about having to get rid of the cell phones in the narrative is, is certainly.
0: We're never going to go back to a point where
2: oh, I just won't carry one. Like they're just they're
0: too handy. <laughs> well, I wonder <laughs> if the as as technology gets more advanced and cell phones get more advanced and wearables get more advanced, I was thinking too. It's going to be so fascinating to see how that impacts horror narratives because eventually it's going to get almost impossible to come up with an excuse of why you are off the radar. And like mm-hmm. every story is gonna be like the same excuse for going, Like, right, no, right now it's kind of, it's not you can like forget your phone. You can, your phone can go dead. You know, you can run out of service. Um, something bad can happen to your phone. Like what happens when the phone is an, part of you all the time, It's an imprint, literally it's yeah. charged by your electricity and <laughs> you, you know, you um, are never without it and it gets perfect service everywhere. Like it's gonna get impossible to write scary stories. Do you More think maybe that's
2: room. why there's so much interest in putting stories in the 80s again? Because it was pre-cell phone. Because yeah, like you talked about I horror too, and point. I noticed there's a lot of story. There are a lot of horror stories that are coming out now that are about the phone itself. Like even this was a black phone. This is the new one that's in the theaters now? I just bought. The was book. it someone I'm just? Excited. Was it just someone going? How do I get rid of the phone? What if it was the phone? Maybe that's the problem. You <laughs> the know phone know? is the thing. A, the phone is what. Forget getting rid of it. I'll just embrace it. It's haunted.
0: It's a haunted phone. <laughs> so. Well, that was the thing, too, with uh, Stephen King's cell, right? It kind of a zombie book, but right. it was passed through cell phone transmission. Yeah, this. wait a minute. The phone is the thing. I can't get rid of it. I'll just use it. Yeah. And I think the
2: hero in that was like, I'm anti-cell phone. And that was back yeah. in the days of, like, flip phones, right? So we weren't quite to smartphones.
0: Right. Luna, so I think about when I think about your relationship with technology in your books, like I said, the first one that comes to mind is Going Viral. Is that the first book that comes to your mind when I ask you about your relationship with tech? No,
1: the book of mine that my editor didn't like and didn't finish reading isn't the first book that comes to my mind. It's sorry, is that is that, a, is that me? Oh, was that you? Is that me? Were you supposed to edit that and you said you didn't like it, so you didn't edit it? Yeah. That's right. I'm not gonna. So hang, I'm not gonna waste was my time. You. I'm not gonna waste your time. That was you. I'm not gonna that waste was Joe Public's
0: time. Look, like, you can do better. Thank and, you. Uh, and you need to. Well,
1: it does now have, I don't mean to brag, but it does have a three and a half star review out of two reviews on Amazon. So maybe you were wrong. I. Well, it's hard I, to tell.
0: It's hard. To, who, who knows? Who, <laughs> who, who knows? will never know?
1: It'll just be a mystery. <laughs> I have not read either of those reviews. I <laughs> just see it go by. <laughs> well, like I, the world with that,
0: let's check. I don't know. Let's see. Let's let's sure. settle this. I think right now is a good.
1: Sure. Uh, we've got the Internet. And then I'll, let's use it. And then I'll, I'll just kind of lay it on. To you a little more after that,
0: because mm, yeah. <laughs> there's more to go. <laughs> Let's see, three. You got four stars. Is that what you said?
1: You got four stars. Oh, I thought three and a half star average. Whoa, whoa! How many reviews? Three point nine. You got two five stars. Up. Although one was
0: from me. That was a that was that was a gift to you from <laughs> for not editing the whole thing.
1: You reviewed a book of mine that you didn't finish. This is
0: yeah. now that we're, we're saying this out open. loud. Yeah.
1: Amazon's going to be knocking on our doors. I think so I did eventually it. finish it because you did not you published you it you did not i was like well, did i not you absolutely did not you told me you didn't like where the friendship was going oh, i remember going. that for
0: sure yeah yeah said it was i me. stand by that I did said, you not
1: rewrite it i did but then i told you i changed it based on what you said and you kept giving me shit and saying well don't change it because of me i'm like well, well you shouldn't change if it if you are you should change I, it because i have to change <laughs> it so i changed it but then by that time, you had written something else or whatever, and then I had to edit four of yours instead of just one. And I appreciate that. You did a great job. I'm sure you do. It sounds like you do. Wise <laughs> <laughs> man. This is why I don't use but, an editor. This okay. is
2: exactly why I don't use an editor.
0: Here, I got good news for you. So one of these five stars is from me, uh, and it's a really thoughtful, well-written review. <laughs> one you know, of if these, you wanna, if you the quote only it, five star. No, there's two, but one of them is mine. If you want oh, to use okay. it in quotes for like promotion, this it would be really good. Um, I I did
1: a I'm really good job I'm gonna probably back off. Of I haven't even promoted this book at all. I don't even <laughs> think I've. I said I make it free every time, and it goes nowhere. Nobody buys it. So the other five nobody star, wants it for free.
0: There's another five star review from Australia. Someone who said this could really be a true story, entertaining and relevant. That's pretty good. Well, that's nice to know. And there's a two what star one review. Stars? No, it was well, a two star. star. Um, but I didn't leave a review. They just gave you two stars. Just
1: two stars. Just, Thank you. That's for me. Aw, thank I, you. I, I left. Thanks for pulling that average I just, do down for me. I just
2: do rankings. I don't leave written anything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like I said, numbers are bad for me, so I probably would have thought like three stars was getting closer to one, and one star is like when you're in fifth grade and you get a one instead of a five on your report card. A one is good. So I'm not that. I'm not that bright. Gold star. <laughs> gold star was a good thing. I, I, really I see a one star here. that's that's a, gonna, that's a that's gold star, just like the teacher wrong. used to give us. So. That's right. It's too flashy. Um, it's just gaudy. Five is just too many.
0: So going viral is not the pinnacle of your of your going work. Viral we, we all not, agree on
1: that. No, it's not what I. It's not the pinnacle, but it's also not what I would choose to talk about. Technology being. Um, are we calling it like a dangerous trope or something that we have to work around in our I don't even know? I think how it's to kind of
0: it's kind of just the different ways technology impacts. Like it can be a dangerous trope, oh, okay. or it can be all about it, or it can be a okay. useful device, right, for, for getting sure. from point to point And B. I would
1: say going viral is about internet fame, so it's not really about technology so much as it's about getting visible about something that you were embarrassed about, which happened to go through technology, but the one I that I, I would call I up is it. no, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. The one, the one that you also did not read or edit that I would call up in this conversation is the one called Revolt, which is was destined to be a five – oh, you don't even – I can no, see No, I remember. Here. I, didn't I even, did. I did no, read you Revolt. No, do not. I remember
0: oh, the cover. Did. The cover is gray in the background. It's got a blue O that has like a lightning bolt or something through it. Mm-hmm. That could be anything. That could be a Marvel movie. <laughs> you just described like every, every
1: Marvel poster. That's
0: the Shazam poster.
1: I did read this book, thank you Ever. very much. <laughs> and it's so memorable to you that you don't even remember that. I wrote a book about robots, about AI. You
0: don't I forgot about remember. it
1: because it was forgettable. I see but... and we can see the screen flashing <laughs> Would you like to know <laughs> how many so reviews silly. you
0: got on that one? I would how many? Zero. You got one rating. One rating. Yeah, no reviews, one rating
1: one rating that's so weird to me the ratings versus reviews now because wow. you know you go there looking like oh, I want to see the words yeah. that they said and people are just like click the stars and they run away so you don't even get it. but I thought most of those were
2: it. coming from from audible but revolts not in audio is it no it's not so, so I think yeah, they just, so they're
1: able to leave a rating now yeah I think so before it was just write one sentence and now it's kind of like don't write anything if you don't want um,
2: yeah my favorite reviews are the ones that end with I have to write three more words uh-huh. I think those
1: are always fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, leave that part out, dude. Just say the, the, the. I'll never yeah. know. Um, so, that one is literally about AI. I did read that. I just forgot about it, but I did Thanks. read it. So, it's memorable. And I, 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 and I remember saying. I really liked
0: the, the tagline, Life's a Glitch. I thought it was
1: very fun. <laughs> Good, because I have four more for the other four that I have not written, <laughs> <laughs> written yet. But I had clever taglines and different colored covers. I really had high ambitions for this. And then I. <laughs> this was when we were trying to write quick novella not even novella level like longer short extended short story you know books like your dark matter stuff and um yeah. i forget what i got on to after that but anyways so that whole series the idea behind the series was that ai had been integrated so seamlessly into our lives there was the it was the anti-junkers it was like everything was so glossy and pretty and helpful without having to have a different a different robot for everything that your entire life was just kind of you glided you glide on this current of data that helps you um so almost almost like it was perfected and the whole concept was that um climate crisis was solved by a, a conglomerate that created a network called Cumulus that actually controlled the environment for us so it was able to roll back the damage that we had done through a system of um, satellites in the sky all around the planet, but what that also meant was that everything kind of rolled up into one gigantic, I think I called it gigantic, I don't even remember <laughs> I wrote it <laughs> that's how memorable it was, I'm not sure that I did I think I just hit the end and then I didn't go back, I just published the thing. Um, I'm probably the two star review in the other <laughs> <laughs> book too so um, so, so through the five, I think it was five parts, this whole kind of almost warm and fuzzy, touchy-feely version of AI was slowly revealed, obviously, to be kind of sinister. And um, gosh, I don't remember all the details for the other four <laughs> books. I haven't written down some more. But in the first book, it was really that um, AI had become so convincing that it was like having hum- having to deal with humans. So it wasn't It was a benefit for a workplace and a work function sort of thing, but the AI personalities became so irritating that now the main character's boss wanted to be his friend. Um, so So the sentience of the AI coming around, instead of having this like, gosh, I could take over the planet and kind of ruin everybody's life, it was more like, gosh, I'm lonely. I'm a computer and I'd like a friend. And so the main... And, and it was—it's like, an office place comedy, really, you know, with this technology. In there. But everybody had sort of a had a had a really good experience with their AI. There was also um, a character—the main—the <laughs> main character's girlfriend is having a relationship with an AI that isn't like a physical AI. It's really just like almost like an Alexa that um, interacts with her, not in a physical way, but speaks to her and has conversations with her called um oh gosh it was e-boyfriend or something and this this character's name was gavin and it learned her preferences and sort of became a relationship for her in a in a totally um i don't want to say innocent way but in a harmless way like these were marked the the plot of the movie her no it's not so thank you for asking you can be quiet now (laughs) (laughs) no no this this is the idea that um so the people who work with the tech, so everybody works for this main company in one way or another. Somebody is designing something, somebody is programming something, somebody is manipulating something. So so the downside of technology in the super friendly way was that you don't get a choice as to where you work. If you want the planet, you're going to have to work for this company because this company keeps the planet in place. And when you go grocery shopping, your grocery cart does all of your choosing for you. It knows your list. Everything goes in the cart. You walk out the door, it scans everything, it pays for everything, you just kind of. So everything is very disney in this, this world. But the undercurrent is that um, you are all working for one company. So essentially, it's like this socialism, you know, gone amok kind, of, <laughs> kind of theme. And eventually, the underside of this network and what happens to people who work for the company and then suddenly don't work for the company anymore, what happens to them? And so the light and the dark of what you get when you go too far with your technology is really what the um, what the whole five part story will eventually tell when I decide to go back and write it. <laughs> it starts to tell it I mean, in the first. It feels like technology
2: in fiction is almost always a cautionary tale. Right? Yes. Like, I was yes. just going to
0: say, where are the stories where technology saves us? Why are well, they, why, we need those stories? So who's going to uh, stick up for the computers?
1: So after this, I was really intrigued by that. I was intrigued by the idea of, hey, wait a minute, why? It was, and this was written around the time that the Netflix show *Love and Death and Robots* came out, which was—if nobody's watched that, everybody should watch that. It's three seasons now, but it is animators, spectacular animators from all around the world who do um, like 10 or 15-minute shorts about really. Some of them are about, hey, this is how technology, you know, could could kind of be cool. Of course you get to the death one and then that's not, you know, so great. But some of it is really hopeful and some of it's real, you know, just pretty. So it came around that same time and I kind of moved into a short story collection called These Robots Are Hard of Hearing that I started writing down ideas about well, why do they all have to end darkly? Like why does <laughs> why does something always have to go wrong? Yeah. Let's write some things where we speculate that, hey, wait a minute, we learn to be in harmony with, you know, our 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 talent for like Ben is saying, handing off our work to somebody else. Well, what happens if that frees us up to be more creative or, you know, do these other things that we don't just, you know, we just don't have time to do because we're busy making our coffee or vacuuming. Um, that's in about the same state as the other four stories, but I have a list <laughs> of titles and ideas that we'll explore that. We'll explore the, wait a minute. There's a lighter side to this that, you know, doesn't always have to end with a, a uprising. Yeah.
2: You made me think of one when you're talking about it, Wally. Wally's probably the one where. Wally, yeah. that's so
0: good. But I was yeah. thinking too. I was thinking that too. But like, even though you know Wally, he'll, it's the old. It's not, it's not the new technology, right? It's the old. It was the old. Tech that did it that
1: really. Yeah. yeah it's the old, well, isn't yeah, it though? Isn't it? So, his, which still counts, I guess. But still, isn't it his interaction with Eva, the new one, who she kind of like. He doesn't like his that's directives. She close. doesn't like her directives. So they both realize they have something to offer in between the analog and the digital i don't know maybe i'm re- maybe i read too much and i i cry at that all the time so i <laughs> probably see movie. more than is there have. you're right you're right it does say hey there's a, there's hope for <laughs> all the boneless chicken cutlet people in their little carts <laughs> in the creation <laughs> in space when they realize they have to you know,
0: but also they it. have to save them from technology from all they the do. new cutting edge technology. Well, so is that, it, you know, yeah. still, but is
1: it the cutting edge technology or is it the tendency like Ben saying for humans to be lazy and hand their power over to somebody else and then suddenly they don't, they don't even have agency in their own lives anymore. So, so they had to realize, wait a minute, you know, we can't just give it over to everybody else. Harmony depends on us actually doing the interacting instead well, of uh, having garbage world. And you know,
2: yeah, that's generally the cautionary thing is don't give up too much control or choice i guess because it's always the ai that says i'm doing this for your own good right this is going to be rough right now but it's necessary for the survival of humanity you can't be trusted with your own decisions all that stuff yeah it's really don't give
1: it up to fred willard oh god yeah (laughs) he will not make it happen um and that's i think that's a good point that is um AI just kind of steps in to become sort of a deity that says, I recognize your flaws and you can't continue this way. So instead of having some sort of alien outsider who comes in and says, I got to clean up the world, that became the big threat, right? In the 40s and the 50s when we had communism mm-hmm. and all of that. Day of the Earth when of that, still
2: and all that. Yeah, ex-
1: yeah when all of that goes away, you have this... Well, what if it didn't come from outside of the world? What if it came from us? Like, what if we created the threat ourselves, thinking that we were making things better for ourselves, and instantly, <laughs> instantly, what we create recognizes, got you people are screwed up. I'm gonna make this better for you." And it's all—it's really the clean line of our thoughts that we fed into the into the system to say, "You're gonna—you're gonna do it the way we want you to do it," and no person in their right mind who could take a helicopter view of humanity would say, yes, you're right. You're on the right path. Continue what you're doing by, you know, killing yourselves. Somebody would step in and say, "Mm, nope, we've got to change all of this. And then it just kind of goes too far.
0: I think we really like to make ourselves the heroes of stories against machines.
1: Yeah, why not? Clayton, what story have you written that has robots in it as the antagonist or the protagonist?
0: I was thinking about my stories and I think in my canon, I actually, I, I'd never thought of it this way before, but I, I seem to write kind of outside of technology. So I think about *Apocalypticon* is obviously post-apocalyptic. So tech is pretty much gone. Mm -hmm. Um, Anomaly flats. I need it's, but I needed there to be no way for them to get out or, you know, reach other people. So it was was basically the horror movie trope. So I just made Mm -hmm. it, you know, I made up something about, magnetism i don't know if electromagnetism actually would knock out the computer but no one's called me on it so that's worked out pretty well um they will now they will absolutely <laughs> but like mabel gray is a fantasy like a fairy tale so there's no you know it's all magic there it's not technology um, what are you afraid no, of I think. Is- <laughs> well that's what i'm wondering i don't know why am i going out of my way to write stories that don't need that can't it's, have it it's not know. fish
1: with human teeth it's not that scary you can you can get in there and do it <laughs> it's so scary <laughs> But even like Naakua, I
0: mean, Gray has a cell phone the whole time, but he spends the whole time in like these really remote places on Maui where he can't get cell phone service. And I've been to Maui. I've gotten cell phone service everywhere. Have you had, had any story out, you know, ide- but
1: it- idea that you've never pursued that had an element of tech either being useful or, or useless in some way?
0: Oh, I'm sure I have. Are you leading me somewhere? Because you have a better memory of my work, my writing ideas than I do?
1: Because you do. No. <laughs> I guess I'll do. I guess I'll do I both of our editings. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I don't remember. I was trying. Someone's to think got of like, to. I was trying to think of like short stories, or I don't um, think so.
0: I don't really. I'm not. I love. I I don't think about robots really. Yeah.
1: Why is that? Is, what What is it that keeps you from? Do you think it's like how? Because what I get from your writing. Do you need to go? Looks like there's you know, somebody coming. they are like playing with the door. Oh, they don't make appearances like opening, in the close new the house. They don't show up in the new house. They just kind of make noise. You see that guy? No, that looks like a rag. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Where are the eyes? I need to find these eyes to locate the face. Um, I think that your writing, your right in your writing, you're trying to recapture your child the the things that you like from childhood. Your writing has a very childlike quality to it. So I think you do what Ben's talking about with the throwback to the '80s. Your imagination doesn't include technology because you were stunted at like age 12 huh. before, before all of it kind of huh. became a thing. And that's the culture that, you, that your imagination takes you to whenever you start thinking of a story. You're
2: I don't think that was meant of... to sound as harsh as
0: it did. I was <laughs> no, going to say no, the tone of voice sounds so
1: positive, but the words that you're saying <laughs> yeah. are really hurtful. If I say terrible things while smiling. It'll be okay. <laughs> you don't know how to take it? And so you just, you know, like, <laughs> just kind of go away and kind of think about it for a while. Um, no, I think and then it's... in three years I'll bring it up on a podcast and say, remember go. that? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you when you hurt my feelings when you crushed me. Crush me. <laughs> get on the couch with Dr. Luna. Um, what I, what I really think is that you, you have a, you have an idea of how stories work and it's roll doll, and it's, you know, it's those sorts of things. So when you start filling in your, the, the membranes of what you want in your story, those are, those are the elements that you build. You don't look at something and say, how could I write a story about that? You have something already kind of in you. Whereas I think Ben, especially kind of looks at what can I, what can I use out of the real world To kind of make people relate to what I'm telling them, because then I'm going to blow it out of the water with like just crazy humor and, you know, as far out as I can take it. And with mine, it's sort of that puzzlement of um, how do I how do I make it absorb into a real world situation so that you can recognize it as familiar? But then let me twist it a little bit and show you like a philosophical change. I have to get my charger. My battery is about to die. So hold on tight. Okay and just clap again when he comes back yeah (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: well this is actually making me think um i'm gonna he's gonna be so mad that i kept talking without him but on our our now famous lost episode of the inspiration of what Mm. gives us inspiration i think too ben like a lot of your inspiration is from those kind of 70s and 80s movies and tv shows that really did focus on robots and Oh, absolutely. Um, and yeah. and for mine, I, I look further back, like Luna was saying, at rolled doll, of course, and but also like, as far as TV show goes, um, my biggest was probably um, Twilight Zone, right? Mm-hmm. So which was way before all of our time, but that's yeah. what I kind of harken back to, so I think that makes sense.
1: Some of the best Twilight mm-hmm. Zones, too, kind of do that. A lot of them are about technology or about the advancement of those sorts of things, but like the best ones, like the one with the guy who was stuck on the... the world where there was nobody there and he was in you know the library and he was kind of all by himself last man in the world or whatever it's called. A penguin yeah Yeah. yeah yeah and he um he was by himself so the story told itself as you don't have anything but you and the world there's no you know connection to anything um all of that sort of stuff is possible in the world now but you have to do the trick of Okay, if we throw away the cell phones, if we make the satellites go down or the towers go down or whatever, that's a lot of explaining. Like that really does take a lot of, all right, now I have to tell everybody why. Because your readers are going to say, well, why don't you just go to the internet? Why don't you just Google it? For you, it's easier to say, I'm just not even going to put you in a world where I have to talk about the internet. I'm just going to right. you know make it a clean world. Yeah, wonder thing. that's why uh-
2: – EMP literature or EMP fiction is so like popular now. You know mm. what? Square one. It's all mm-hmm. done. Just mm-hmm. boom. <laughs> one yeah. sentence. All Electricity's out. gone. Yeah.
1: Goodbye.
0: You're on your own, my, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look at my entire list of like things that I've started, which is you know you guys are substantial. Yeah. Um, I think, off a quick glance, there's only one piece of work that I would say actually has a big technology focus on it. A short story I wrote called Zero Gravity everything
1: else yeah that's true and even is that really was not. sort of like that's just a vehicle for you to get your characters kind of in a emotional yeah. place it's not even like the real it's not what the, focus the tech is of not the what story. you, you
2: expected right be. So, i just like playing it like i think we it as just as a people we could create the most miraculous breakthroughs and we would trivial trivialize it in a heartbeat Right? because first it's got yeah. to fund itself right yeah. so how do you make how do you commercialize it is always i think fun to me to look at like I've got one where uh, it's a short story called alternate realty where we've opened up gateways to parallel I love that <laughs> I love that one and, and we're just selling subdivisions right like that's that's how we figured that one there's another one rules of time travel where like hey we've we've figured out time travel and we've opened up time tourism and everybody wants to go back and see like the original screening of star wars you know, just like something like that. Just like who's really going to be using this technology? So, I, there's there's a great story. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read the book The Postman. Um, there's a great section in it where there's a uh, just like a group of scientists that are maintaining the last supercomputer after the end of the world, and everyone's coming to them, and they're bringing them all the old technology to restore. And feeding them and stuff like that, and in exchange for like you know bringing them the tech, they're like, "Hey, here's where you're gonna want to dig the well. Here's where you go. Here's how you plant crops." They're asking. It's Cyclops, I think, is um. It's like an oracle. The name of the machine. Like a a living. Yeah, yeah. The scientists go consult the computer with the questions, and they come back with the answer, and then those people go off and do their best to survive. My version of the story is the last cell phone on Earth. I think a guy wanders into town, he's got the one working iPhone and everyone's like, "Who was that guy in that movie?" It's been mm-hmm. killing me for 10 years. You know, like I mean, remember, remember the conversations we used to have before IMDb? Like you could you could sit around with friends drinking for 4 hours going, "What was that movie with that robot?" You know, it was it was short circuit. We already got there. But um, you know, now it's like my kids don't know that struggle, but I think if if you all of a sudden took that yeah. technology away from us, do your kids do it while do, they're that's watching? That's
1: what we miss. Do your kids look it up while they're watching the movie, or do they no, wait no, until not, after? They don't.
2: They wait until after. They don't. I've tried to keep them on one screen at a time. Um, but to, like, now on TV,
1: if they're watching, depending on what they're watching, there's an X-ray sure, or can. whatever where they can see it. So if it's I don't really like to watch anything X-rated. <laughs> 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 I realize, I think I realized early on that robots were part of my big five things that I wanted to like create about in stories. And I've put, I've had a comic strip about a robot assistant Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: never really got off the ground, but I still have a bunch of things written that I wanted to at some point that really, and it was way back, whatever. 10 or you know, I 12 years ago. still follow that Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> Someday it will have some new material. But the whole idea came to me from um, before Before I think was it Jibo was the first one that I saw where it was, they were trying to make a robot assistant that looked like a Wally that had little heart eyes, but they ended up looking like demon eyes, you know, and it, it sat, it was still was like an Alexa, but it tried to have a, a robot-y head. Yes. And a very clean, you know, robot thing. So my whole, my whole premise of the the, um, comic strip, which if anybody, if I get to that point, this won't be too much of a spoiler, but you'll have to wait to see it was that this robot assistant was a repurposed Teddy Ruxpin. Um, who had the attitude of a teenager? Instead of being like the friendly bear telling the stories, he like taught <laughs> he taught the kid who bought him how to cuss and, and do you know like escape and do bad things. So he was a reefer at the store, and the guy who bought him couldn't afford a full priced one. So he got this one, and he started realizing, wait a minute, it has this shitty little mind of its own, and it talks back, and it doesn't actually assist me. It makes me get it things <laughs> instead of you know. Because to me, that was so funny. And the fun fact, the CEO of the company I was working for at the time w- had also started the toy company that created Teddy Ruxman. So we heard the story ah. a lot. Yeah, World of Wonder was this, this guy's brainchild. so we worked for the guy that
2: wrote the (laughs) Care Bears theme song this is very weird that we should all be
1: working together now okay maybe it is one company that we all work for and we just don't realize it until we get together like this we're Um, already maybe in the middle of your book (laughs) oh my god I'll just start writing right now um so so that to me was funny it wasn't menacing and and then little by little like there was a whole there was going to be a whole um whatever you call it, a whole sequence where he falls, he keeps this little robot keeps falling in love with the appliances around the house that aren't robots. Like he falls in love with the the espresso machine because she's so shiny he's like just, you know, leaning on the counter, gushing at her. He was going to fall in love with um, like a a little britney spears kind of character who turned out to be another teddy rucks another teddy Rexman with a wig, a wig on because everybody at the time was making fun of her for lip syncing and dancing instead of singing so my thought was well what if she was really just a robot and nobody could tell because they loved you know the dancing but she, you know he when he found out she was really a robot then he was kind of creeped out because well wait a minute <laughs> you know i don't want to love uh, all of these weird little to me technology was always like a, a patch fall like it was never, you know, uh, it, it was never truly a menacing thing. It always had this kind of humorous um, lo- loneliness to it, no matter what it comes up in. And I, I have a robot uh, Children's Illustrated character, too, that's highly stolen from the comic book <laughs> character who will make his way into books that really is just sort of a little kid you know but in a robot form who his battery dies so he gets cranky you know like everything that kind of relates to a child you just put it in technology form so so i think yeah we're my tech i think a lot of technology is separate from the humans my technology is sort of hey if we're in there somewhere we need to recognize ourselves so it always comes out in in these goofy like um Nobody's gonna be afraid of a teddy rexman. Who gives a shit? You know, that's he's got a tape slot in his chest where you can put a cassette if you want to play a cassette. None of that's very scary. So, I think we have like a spectrum here. where Clayton's got no technology. I've got like silly, goofy technology, and Ben's got like potentially dangerous technology, and we all kind of play in our own little
0: field. Do you think it's possible to write? Because I think I I I keep getting stuck in this idea of modern horror not being able to really tell its story without getting rid of technology first do you think it would be possible for someone to create a horror story that is set in modern times does not address technology does not throw it out the window and also doesn't use it to save the day yes what would that look like
1: I watched a movie called whatever whatever its name was
0: we're gonna dub I it back the, in, the, in the edit.
1: We will. I'll find out what it is. Visitor? No, it's not called visitor. Alfie. Yeah, <laughs> Alfie. That's it. Um, it was about. It. It was made, and it was. It came. It came out during lockdown, and it was about five people who get online on Zoom to have sort of a seance digitally, and the spirit is able to get to all of them at the same time because they've released him into the portal so one by one you see things in the background it was the most clever i should rec- i mean clinton doesn't like horror stories ben you'd probably love it watching the things in the background of a screen it was more than a found film movie it was really utilizing the new found invasion invasiveness of we all have to use our webcams now to communicate because we can't get out of the houses. So what if we're stuck and we're teenagers and we're just kind of impetuous and we say, Hey, let's do this ritual. And then there's five, like, like we're seeing right now, there's four screens or five screens on the television screen for the movie at the same time, you're watching the background of every screen to see the shadows move to see what's happening and who's going to get it next. Um, Mm -hmm. I've seen other takes on that that aren't good, but this particular take to me was the most effective use of technology and creative filmmaking to, to tell a horror story that truly worked. And it was Probably. bloody. There were some bloody parts in there where the effects were sort of like, I don't know how you did this. I don't know how you kept the camera running and kind of had these things happening, these effects. And was it um, shot
2: during the during – the-
1: it was. Pandemic? It was. That's so just right. also being put in that creative
2: box and yeah, uh, having to exactly. think your way out of to, yeah. yeah,
1: and so the fact, and you, we saw some where we're like, okay, that's lame, but the fact that people can do it. I saw another one had John Cho as a father who was trying to find his missing daughter and he had to go back through her entire digital life and he found things he didn't want to find, but he had to contact her. Friend. He had to, like we would do in real life, he had to go to her contact list. He had to see if he could get her phone open. He had to, talk to people he had no idea who they were he had to root through her messages they showed it real time on the screen so you kind of saw what was happening and again we've seen that in tv and sometimes it's just kind of distracting this was really necessary it wasn't a macguffin it was like he has you're seeing what he's seeing so you can see what he does to find his daughter there was another one i I didn't see it and i don't know what it's
2: called but <laughs> this segment I is saw the trailer and it looked interesting. No, it was, uh, you, you may have heard, it, it's a journalist and she's uh, contacted, uh, she's doing a story on how one of the terrorist organizations recruits brides or recruits people into it. And she's kind of posing as this uh, person interested in joining the cause kind of thing. And they're communicating through Zoom or whatever, and it looks like it turns into a horror somewhere in the middle when she gets a little too involved with the with the the charming terrorist or whatever. Um, And it's almost using the technology for the horror aspect. But I think anything and I I, there's movies you know where it's like the horror is no one believes you. You know, it's the it's the gaslighting aspect of that. Like that is still a possibility. Like you can call Pete as long you know I can call whoever I want if no one believes the story. Sure, the phone's the phone's useless. Sure, you know, like the, I think there are aspects where even still the phone can't help you, especially in any supernatural is um, easy enough to to dismiss it too. But uh, I, think, I think you take away the credibility of the character to the other characters, and all of a yeah. sudden it doesn't matter who they talk to.
1: I think the movie Catfish too, when it first came out, it had the feeling of a horror story that was being told with technology as sort of the star. Um, did anybody see the original, the original? Yeah. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was scripted and I still to some degree think that, you know, some of this was set up, but I thought it was going to be some horrific, you know, terrifying thing that was revealed at the end. So it had me hooked all the way to the end and then it got to the end and it was just sad. Like it was just kind of, okay, this is, this is miserable. Um, so, so that to me was an effective first use. But again, and and Paranormal Activity, I would say, too, those movies have sort of advanced to include ring doorbell, cell phone, cell phones, cameras. Wow, I am old. (laughs) Um, Security cameras inside. So and they do tell the horror elements, I think, very effectively, because you do see things you would see on the screen, but you're seeing them one screen removed. Right. You're seeing them sort of show up on somebody's computer. But they kind of try to keep one step ahead. And not it doesn't always work. But they try to keep one step ahead of, well, gosh, what would the next technology be? And I started to watch one the other day. And this was, to me, the best, the best use of this that I've seen. These brothers discover VHS tapes that were being recorded years and years back, it goes back to those original characters from, from Paranormal Activity, those the, the woman and the man who were in the first one, to her childhood. So these are VHS from like the 80s and the 90s. They're watching the videos and the videos are like these demonic um, rituals that are happening with the girls and the mother is instructing the girls on what to do. One of the girls, you know, the mother says, what do you see in your vision? The girl says, I see two brothers. And then she turns to the screen while they're watching the vhs the girl from the past in the 1980s in the vhs tape starts interacting with them through their computer screen and then i stopped because i want to see the whole thing i was blown away by how clever that was that that was wait a minute now she's talking to these people in the future through a videotape that they digitized and put into it was too many layers i have to i have to stop and kind of watch it to, to really see where it goes those sorts of, like, twists where you say, okay. And I, I think for you all three of us. you to be careful with that because if she had a chosen beta, the whole story falls apart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you would never find a, a Betamax player.
1: Well, think about Thank God the too, porn like, industry went VHS because oh otherwise oh, They screwed. would have lost out. Think about things like all the little <laughs> flick cameras we had and all the little, you know, digital things that were in-betweens until we got to ourselves. There's so much stuff recorded on those devices that we never go back to that you kind of wonder okay that could be something effective or somebody finds like hey i found your flip camera and you were filming murders or snuff things well, like, there's a lot saying, of potential i think for it.
2: saying flip camera specifically makes me think there's in my um post-apocalyptic book the guy walks up with a flip camera It's about the time I guess I wrote it. 2011 was maybe kind of the end of the. But you know, I thought they reflective of the times. Well, I didn't. I didn't think they'd be replaced by phones within six (laughs) months, right? And and it kind of it kind of irks me that I'm like, oh, I put that in there. Like he's got a a bigger battery on the back because he's rewired it and all that stuff. And it's kind of post apocalyptic in that sense. But it's like it's interesting that how much and how fast it'll date your stories now. Absolutely, the, the technology in other than it really does phone you know if you yeah. saying like if, hey if you had a razor in there if you had a, even you had a, he flipped open his phone like oh my god when was this written you know like even that like it's there's a certain amount of um and because I did that I try to keep things fairly generic and open now so the stuff's sure. not too dated as it moves on because it's it's moving so fast
0: yeah. I don't remember what the reference was but I did I had that problem with apocalypticon some there's something in that book that like was outdated just, you know, not too long after it was published. So when I went back mm-hmm. to write the sequel, I had to remember like, okay, so Apocalypse Gun, Apocalypse Gun happens in 2011 and that's it. It's set there. And so as I'm writing the sequels now, it's like, does this joke... Makes sense for the time or did it come after? So I can spend (laughs) half my time Googling, like, when did this, you know, when did Britney Spears go to rehab? You know, like, does that make sense here? When did, you know, Albert Pujols leave Uh, the Cardinals? I got to make sure it was before 2011 or else it doesn't make sense. And it sucks because there's so many cool, funny things that have happened in the last decade. I cannot put in these books. I think one of...
1: One of the reviews that I got did mention there's there are a lot of pop culture references in your your vampire book that are going to date this very quickly. And I was like, buzz off. Blogs are here forever and they're always going to be cool. That's right. When it comes time to write the fourth one of those, even that is sort of like, gosh, how do I switch them up to does that character do a podcast now? No. Does that a character do a vlog now? How, <laughs> do I even? The TikTok,
2: yeah. The do TikTok I
1: even? <laughs> that's right. Do I even try, or do I just say, "You know what? He has three stories, and that's all there's going to be," because I locked myself in. But there, I remember very distinctly, my niece told me I had I had written a. Um, the next one was the story about a teenage boy who goes off looking for his who he thinks is his real dad, and he takes off with his cell phone charged at the time and i i really had like a bad cell phone for a very long time so i didn't know how they worked but i thought okay he charged it during the day he was gone for you know like two or three days and he would check his messages and he checked for calls checked for voicemails because this was you know 2011 also 2012 and my niece said hey i love the story but one thing a Charged cell phone would not last for an entire weekend. <laughs> I said, Are you oh, kidding? My Motorola really? brake lasted a whole week. The ones that I had were like, I could, yeah, I could go forever because they had nothing to them. They just had the phone, like a tiny yeah, little screen. The Nokia screen. had a standby time of 72 hours. Seriously. Exactly. <laughs> and you could change the batteries in some of those old ones and, like, you know, you didn't have to take right. the whole charger. So, I, and I think I hadn't mentioned iPhone specifically in this thing for the kid and she had iphone so i said oh well i can't do anything about it now but that would be something to note for next time do i even know enough about the technology that i'm talking about to say that that's how they you know how it works so i've skirted it too i've tried to say they don't use their phones very much if i don't want it to come in it
0: does make it easier because even if you do know what you're talking about like think about the wire. I mean, what, it's such a good show and you watch it now and all that tech is so old and it looks so old and it, you know, but they're talking about it like, Oh, this is the cutting edge stuff. Look at the, we got this whole briefcase full of, you know, brand new <laughs> surveillance equipment. It's like, Oh my God, like my phone is 10 times better than that. And so at the time it's the best thing ever, but it doesn't take long for that stuff to age. I think it's so yeah. fascinating how technology you make something, make a movie, make, you know, but whatever, create art, and this technology that is like either going to save us or destroy us is like so advanced. And then two years later, it's like, was so stupid. It's a kid's toy. Yeah. Wasn't, it's, there, it's
1: wasn't there a meme that said something like, wow, Star Trek really didn't predict the internet. <laughs> did, did they? <laughs> <laughs> In the future. I love going back and seeing, I love seeing that sort of stuff, like seeing um, the old, the really big motor role of flip phones that we thought were so cool, but still had the bricky look and watching people flip it open and pull up their antenna and then have to talk on <laughs> it and realizing, Oh, 1996, 1997. But I also like seeing things in movies that really were very prescient for what was going to happen. I, and I don't remember which one it is. I think it's a Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves movie he's got wireless earbuds and it's probably from 2010 or 2011 and i had to stop and rewind and see if that's really what he had because i know they didn't exist at that point even though i have a wire on so and then i had to look up did anybody else notice this because you get those weird like time traveler kind of you know stupid things where people say oh my gosh you can tell and somebody had looked this up and apparently there was some sort of early version of like a jawbone that just fit hanging out of his ear. Yeah, look it up and see if you can find cuz I I was like blown away thinking no, I know they didn't they didn't have them and just nobody was using them. This is like a last 4 or 5 years thing that air, you know, AirPods have become a thing. And then I I was just from the rest of the movie, I was impressed with the movie. I don't think it was that great of a movie, but I was impressed with the movie for getting that one detail right. And it was just kind of cool to see, oh, if somebody does get the idea that you don't want wires in your ears forever, little pieces like that, that you pick up that really kind of make you think, gosh, are we three as, you know, as, um, imaginative people, are we thinking clearly enough about what a future could look like? And what if we did a brainstorm of just like, let's take it 30 years down the line. What do we see for new technology that we could write into our books that nobody can question because <laughs> screw you. We made this up. This is our guess. You'll see in 20 years if it comes true or
2: not. There's something liberating about writing that far into the future. It's one of the reasons I started writing a, like a, a, I liked the near, uh, near future science fiction. Like one of the movies, it wasn't a tremendous movie, but like one of the movies that did it best was, um, the sixth day with, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger with the cloning. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and it, it, uh, the technology is just I like it because it's just kind of woven into the movie, and it's just like his truck's self-driving. He's got a Ford Ranger, but it drives itself. You know, it doesn't look like something out of Epcot from the '80s. It's just a pickup truck, but it drives itself. The fridge will order milk if it's out. You know, it's like, um, you know, the the bathroom mirror is like, hey, you need to take your vitamins, stuff like that. It was like, and it was interesting because a lot of that, like the the, the smart fridge and all that's kind of here. And we're working towards the car, but like something very liberating about writing in the, the future where it's like, ah, I'm kind of, I can wave off the the technological aspect of it. Just like, ah, it's possible then. We've got it. batteries are, yeah, the size of a pebble. What are you talking about? <laughs> what I was looking up was not the movie with the earbuds. I wanted to look up um, Johnny Mnemonic with, uh, where he had half his head, half his brain removed to put a hard drive in so he could smuggle data. Ooh. And I was trying to remember how big the hard drive was and it was, uh, <laughs> 320 gigs yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's bigger than i thought for some reason i thought it was only a few kilobytes yeah, gigs uh, is pretty good
0: gosh. really what year was that movie it's in?
2: still holding on there but it was 95 so the that's capacity but if it's half your brain half the size of your skull <laughs> you could probably get a few uh, terabytes sure, in there by oh now gosh. i mean and is, it's like a thumb drive now right like it's just, this is
1: another thing i tell my kids when they you know we were at um grocery store the other day. And in the clearance section, there's a 16 gig, um, card with the card reader. That's, you know, like $3 and 69 cents on clearance. And that used to be $50, hundred dollars, $200. So I look at it now with the kids and they looked at, you know, I'm like, that's a really good deal. Regardless for $3 and 69 cents. Does anybody need anything? And they looked at it and they're like, I don't need a card. And to realize how far it's come and that's that is over the course of a long time but to realize it's disposable like it's it can just sit on a clearance shelf and nobody wants it for three dollars and 69 cents to be able to have all this stuff um and what you can do with it the fact that all of this can happen when you see something like that on the screen where they're the movie The Net with Sandra Bullock, where she's like, they called it The Net still. (laughs) You know, it was the internet. They called it The Net. (laughs) And she's like going from computer to computer, and she's got these like really bad 8-bit graphics popping up. And, oh, she better take her (laughs) gigantic five-and-a-quarter-inch floppy disk with her, you know, and stick it in her jacket. It's so quaint. It's so like... It's so fun to me. It's like this really like, oh, look how cute we were. We had these gigantic And that things. makes me
2: think of something like war games, right? Like where he was <laughs> still putting the phone on the cradle to right. call the, yes. call the on the modem. Yeah. But at the same time, the, the concern was still, the computer was. going to
1: take out it of control. we would given it too stuff.
2: much power. Like ultimately yeah. that's still what the story came down to. And that still, that still holds up. Yeah. And I think,
0: the, the the real struggle of this from a storytelling standpoint is all this stuff was not that long ago. Right. You know, like I, no. I talk to my, stu- my, the favorite example I give my students because they, you know, they don't, they're all born now after 9-11, right? Like they don't remember anything. They, were, they weren't alive in the 90s at all. And so they, It they their world they've grown up in you know you guys have kids you know is totally different than ours but it's not that far removed and so I'll tell them you know like I'm you guys I'm not that much older than you like I'm not um maybe twenty years older I'm not I'm like sixteen years older than these students right seventeen years older than them and when I was a kid you know we'd have the TV would stop at the end of the night programming would stop and we'd be there (laughs) either the Pledge of Allegiance or the Star Spangled Banner and it would just be the bars right all night because there was just TV was over for a while god like you're old that but it's not that long ago and that just no. blows their mind mu- they don't understand what that even <laughs> means you know and so it's like you write anything even if you're an expert in it in technology it's outdated instantly and it looks ridiculous in one year well we used to have
2: more time like that used to three channels and it being programming being over was that way for yeah. 30 40 yeah. years yeah. and certainly nothing and is the same ever from one year and, to the next and, Yeah. Now it's like, what's cable? Everyone has the streaming services they want. They don't even have cable, you know,
1: even, even to take it closer to the future. I was thinking, I think probably just like yesterday to tell my kids, there were times when we were not on, we were not connected to the internet all the time. You would tell people I'm going to go in and check email and connect to the internet I had to phone the internet. Yeah. yeah, I'll be back in an hour. Yeah. And we would ask, and then you can't use the phone. So nobody's going to make a phone call. But we would also ask, like, when people would say, Oh, I just leave the internet, you know, up and running before DSL even. We're like, Aren't you afraid somebody's going to sneak into your account because you left it wide open? And they're like, No. (laughs) So there it was, it was some sort of, you know, villain that could get into your house if you left the connection open. And when we switched over to it was it was a very long time that we had. I know you're surprised. It's a very long time that we had dial up. And when we switched over to DSL, the first thing I wanted to show the kids was, look at what cartoons look like when they come to the computer. <laughs> now it's it's constant connection, and so to be, to have to tell them and to have to work into a story because we would forget. If I was going to write about the 90s, I'd forget that people logged out of AOL when they were finished. They just got on for a minute. There would be all of these flaws of us going backwards to say, hey, like you were saying, Clayton. Let me just research this and make, let me have a fact-finding session where I can say, did we, were we able to even you know do any banking online at that time, or could we shop? I remember a manager I had talking about shopping online, and I just <laughs> laughed at her it was like what are you shopping for on a website what are they ever gonna have she's like it's kind of like a catalog i'm like oh you sweet thing that's real cute that's never gonna catch on yes i was very condescending um and now i'm like (laughs) how do i get the things to come to my house i don't have to leave the house (laughs)
0: yes this is taking a depressing turn here at the end has it? Uh, I, thought, did you, I think yeah. did you happy. have a second? Did, did you have a second question? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was the whole thing. Huh? One question.
0: Um, um, no, I think that was. I mean, it's. I think it's fascinating how technology. You know, it's. It. It. It is used as a trope, but it's used as a vehicle. It's used as a narrative tool. It's used as a savior. It's used as a villain. It's, uh, it's, it's so interesting. And of course, you know, the word technology is that's writ large, but, um, do you ever see really yourself then
1: since you've never done it, do you ever see yourself featuring technology? Can you say, if I gave you an assignment and said, Hey, I want you to come up with an idea where technology is not on the outskirts. It's not tangential. It's something that's central to your story. do you think your mind would be fertile enough to kind of say, I'm not uncomfortable. It's not painful for me to have to work technology. In, or do you think that you would glance away from it just because by nature you don't gravitate toward that?
0: You know, actually, now that you say that, I'm like I mean, my first reaction is I don't I, I think I could do it. It doesn't interest me, though. And I think I have nailed why. I think it is part of what you said about, you know, my the past. But also, I've been working in social media for decades, you know, for a long time now. Like my you know social media marketing has been the last 15 years. Yeah. I don't. Like, I so I've been, I'm, and I'm an early adopter of devices, so I like technology a lot. Sure. It just, I just feel like I'm so immersed in it all the time that sure. writing about it makes me, it's not, doesn't feel interesting to me. I'd rather write about things that I'm not yeah. talking
1: about all the time. Your writing is escapism for you, and it's not yeah. escapism if you say, well, I just spent eight hours talking about technology. Let's write something about technology. Yeah. You know, I think to- I could do it. Don't get me wrong, I could do it.
0: that's arrogant i just don't want to i just don't want to (laughs) i wanted to do it it would be amazing the next
1: thing i edit i'm going to make notes in the margins that say this is where the robots go (laughs) this is where the internet goes (laughs) this is where the cell phone goes i'm gonna make you you know know where i can find a new editor (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't use one so you've got it (laughs) you've you're already
2: there (laughs) i'd I'd help you but i'd do the same thing yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, all right well thank you both for having this conversation with me. i think it's i think this is great um it's fascinating and i i um i don't know it's going to be so interesting to see and i there are so there, it's also it's such a fertile ground of imagination for people who do want to write in that i mean you know black mirror is one of the, to me like one of the most really exciting is. shows to come around what i will of, say like,
1: is that decade. what i've seen in other people's literature and other people's writing is that there is a big turn to um away from i mean the people who aren't doing you know technological kind of horror the the idea of folk horror and earth horror and natural kind of forces horror has become a huge thing in the past five or six years and it it does its best to work around technology too so the fact that it can be done makes it feel like at some point it's going to become something we we want to do, or we do want to say. Now I'm tying my hands and I'm saying I will not use technology, but I will visit horror in some way, and I will not set it a hundred years in the past. How can I? It'll be almost like a um, like a challenge for ourselves. How do I solve the puzzle on purpose? And that's where you go to is the one last thing you cannot control is you know the the very nature that you live in, um, and it's really that that resistance to technology is inspiring some really good stories like i've read it i've read some really good um, creepy stuff that is kind of like computers aren't going to save you from that you know they're not going to save you from things crawling out of the ground
0: yeah the technology's yeah. not going to help you if it's useless exactly there's no yeah. point so, in bringing so it the story
1: i think that's what you would end up doing is something where you found a force
0: <laughs> Unless it's a kaiju and you need a sense
1: to take care of it.
0: All right. That's going to wrap it up for us, I think. Uh, thank you both. This was, have as fun. always, really great. Clap. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> just because it's a clap. But, know,
0: we, don't, we don't do that. We don't now actually, that. you've now actually thrown the off the recording. recording. Now we just have a